Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. It is trade deadline 2019. We've got an episode here to talk about the Blue Jackets and what they did at the deadline, what they shouldn't have done, maybe what they should have done. Um, I am Ryan Real. Joining me, some of the staff from the Canon. First, we've got Pale Dragon. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us. We got Will Chase. Hey. We've got Eric Seeds. Hello, friend. Hello, friends, indeed. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are, the Canon Cast is going to be a regular event um, going forward, but we just wanted to have our first edition to be about the trade deadline. One of the biggest days on the calendar, certainly one of the biggest days for the Blue Jackets. I think today has been circled since um, a Bob opened his mouth in, in the summer. So it's finally here. It's it's over. Um, the Jackets made some, some big moves. We're going to talk about those big moves, kind of reaction, and, and we'll go through kind of what the division did and, and what we think. Is it enough? And, and um, kind of some other stuff about, about the deadline because um, it wasn't just the deadline. It was, it was Friday and Saturday and it was a whole weekend that, that really was pretty good. So without further ado, um, let's go over, over the trades real quick. And, and guys, chime in um, after – I guess we can go around e- each one. The first one, the big one, Friday – uh, Matt Duchesne for Abramoff, Jonathan Davidson, 2019 lottery protected first round pick and a 2020 conditional first round pick. Um, that was that was the big one. That was the big one. We weren't sure if there was going to be one after that, but that turned out to be uh, the big one. We'll start with with PD. What did you What did you think? I mean, we're two, we're three days after that, but I mean, for the Columbus Columbus Blue Jackets to pick up Matt Duchesne, I mean, yeah, I I, I was I was blown away because by Friday. I had resigned myself to, you know, thinking that the Jackets were not going to make the big splash. That I just knew that Duchesne and uh, and Mike Stone as well, that they were in such high demand around the league, other contenders, that certainly the Jackets were going to be outbid. Uh, and that other teams would maybe be closer to contending and so would be more willing to pay a high price, whereas Yarmo. I expected that he would be more conservative because he was maybe not going to want to give up as many uh, future pieces to acquire rentals. Um, so I was surprised when it happened, and but then 
more surprised than I expected to be because I had some qualms about Duchesne because you know, he's played on a lot of bad teams. He hasn't necessarily made a team better. Uh, you know, there's the whole Uber video thing, but uh, he said all the right things. Uh, the Ottawa blog gave us some good insight that so they were not concerned about his character. He said all the right things. He's looked great on the ice. Uh, this gives our team uh, a really big threat on the ice. Um, just we have another elite player on the team, uh, and that's huge. Yeah, that that what what Colin Cudmore said in that sense blog, which if you haven't read it, you should, is that it wasn't a big deal. The Uber thing wasn't a big deal. It's just blowing off steam about about your boss and uh, who whomst among us has not done that. So that was a <laughs> that was a good point. Will uh, your take on the Duchesne trade? Yeah, I was actually fairly optimistic. I think going into the trade deadline and potentially getting Duchesne because. We had heard that they were pretty involved with trying to possibly get him with Nashville. And I don't know. I thought, you know, as far as making a deal and I thought going into Ottawa, I didn't expect the deal to happen that day or anything. But um, I thought it couldn't hurt to be in person and potentially meet up with Ottawa or however that may have gone down. But um, maybe just coincidence more than anything. But, I, you know, I thought there was a good shot at getting Duchesne and I, you know, I wasn't sure if Panarin might be involved one way or the other, but as far as bringing in Duchesne, that was an awesome move. Um, and yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, this is definitely a statement that Columbus is trying to, you know, all we heard about was, is Bob or Panarin going to be here or are they going to get traded? And instead it's, let's make a move and let's try to actually win now. So yeah, the, the move I thought was just, it was an awesome it was just the the first part of uh, you know what would come to be in many trades basically, but it was definitely an awesome feeling once they actually acquired that center um, that they've really needed for a while aside from Dubois. And and it really, we'll talk about this too. But what that does for for the center position for the Columbus Blue Jackets, really just knocking them down. Um, when I saw that third line today, which we'll talk about in a minute, it was just like. Jeez Louise, that, that Duchesne just changes everything. Uh, you mentioned the phrase in person, and Seeds, you have seen the man in person at this point, Matt Duchesne? Yeah. As the, as the resident lover of Matt Duchesne on the canon, <laughs> um, I've been advocating for Duchesne for years, but um, he— Since he, since he was still uh, in Colorado— <laughs> yes, for for two years now, um, I've been advocating that the Blue Jackets should trade for Matt Duchesne to help stabilize their center position, and they finally did it. And folks, let me tell you, Saturday night in Nationwide Arena, he looked the part of a number one center. Um, the crowd loved him from the minute they announced him. Um, every every time he touched the puck, he got cheered. Um, but you noticed him every shift he was on the ice. Uh, he made he made plays. He made passes. He he clicked really well with Atkinson and Panarin. Um, and like you said, Ryan, he was able to knock everyone down a peg, um, maybe into a more natural position. Um, I'm really interested to see how Pierre-Luc Dubois continues to develop in the uh, number two center role now, um, since he he won't he doesn't have to shoulder that uh, that burden at just 20 years old of being the number one center. But du, uh, but Duchesne looked excellent and. To the other thing that Will mentioned about seeing about seeing uh, the GM of the Ottawa Senators in person, there was a report out Friday morning um, that do that uh, Kekalainen likes to 
converse in uh, in person if possible. That he likes to make his pitches and tr- finalize trades in person. And I feel like the, it might have been fortuitous that the Jackets just happened to be in Ottawa Friday so they could finish this deal up and get it taken care of. Yeah, and it's a good thing they didn't play Florida because uh, you know Derek Broussard went the other way down the hall today. So um, <laughs> right, and you picked up a Duchesne jersey. That's correct. Yes, it is. It has been shipped. It's on the way. God bless. Uh, that is all in. That is awesome. Yeah, exactly. I, I I am all in on Matt Duchesne. <laughs> I agree. I share that sentiment. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't sign, if he doesn't sign, we could talk. I mean, that, the thing is, and I want to say this early. If he, if he signs, does he not sign? At this point today, none of that matters to me. Who cares? Right now, I don't know. I, for y'all, I don't know if that's the same, but, you know, mm-hmm. the Jackets are going all in. They've got two shutouts. Tomorrow's a big game. But anyway, before the, we'll, we'll get, move on to the next trade, uh, Ryan Dezingle and the 2019 seventh round pick from Calgary, which uh, lasted I, all of not even 48 hours. Um, can I start with this one? Yes. Yes, you can. For because- Andy, you declared. second round pick from 2020 and a second round pick from 2021. I was in our bar when this trade went down. Um, Mm -hmm. We had just left the game. We'd stuck around, watched Duchesne get interviewed on the ice. Um, Jody Shelley interviewed him. We, uh, we walked into our bar, which was teeming with people as you would expect on a Saturday night. And uh, we're in line for beers and someone yells out, we just traded Anthony Duclair for Ryan Dezingle and half the bar went utterly berserk. <laughs> it was, it was quite the life experience just to see a trade go down in real time like that. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a big get, you know, it, it's, I saw somebody and I cannot remember, I'm sorry for the life of me who said it, but um, I've read, so much trade coverage as I'm sure y'all have as well, but it was Dezingle's the prototypical having a good year. Somebody's going to pay too much. Um, maybe it was ESPN, and I'm not sure that's the case. But um, it, you know, for declaring two picks, but uh, PD, what do you think? Yeah, uh, well, I felt pretty good about this because I had uh, in my article had highlighted uh, Dezingle as as someone that we could look at. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you had covered Deshane and yours, and then I was trying to look for some you know, secondary names. So honestly, I saw Dezingle last week as, oh, this could be a good consolation prize. Assuming that we miss out on Stone Duchesne, I think Dezingle would be in our price range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and would still be a very good player and, you know, probably one that we could then, you know, extend. Um, so the fact that we got both Duchesne and Dezingle is uh is great uh everything i've seen about Dezingle, i really like uh i'm excited that he is a fast player uh more speed to the lineup certainly doesn't hurt things uh he's got he's been shooting really well so that's that's always helpful as a sure. team we've actually been shooting pretty well this year but so another scorer another fast guy uh he seems to be from what i've seen a a really fun personality so i think he's going to be a great fit in the locker room and then most importantly, so yeah, he's a, a fourth high-profile, unrestricted free agent, but I think he is easily the most likely of those four to re-sign because he played yeah. at Ohio State. He's familiar with the city. He likes the city. Uh, I like this idea that maybe uh, because of his relationship with Duchesne that he could convince Duchesne right. <laughs> into signing as well. So uh, yeah, I think that's it's a great signing. And again, it's, it's a second top six forward 
that we've added to the lineup. It is our sixth player who has scored 20 goals this season. Um, and I think I saw that no other team in the league this season has that many 20 goal scorers. Yeah. Uh, and I think right. that's we have more really than Tampa. Exciting. It finally it gives us depth down the forward lineup, which we have not had in these previous uh, playoff runs. Mm-hmm. Will, were you, were you going to say something? Yeah, so after the Duchesne trade was official, I said, okay, let's go ahead and get the Zingle now because I thought, you know, I didn't know what the odds were. And again, I, I didn't know if a guy like Wenberg would have to be involved in some way. I didn't know what the pieces would be. But as far as getting the Zingle, I was all for that as well. And that was what I wanted to do or see them do next. And looking at the Zingle, I mean, his offensive production since, you know, he came into the league in 15-16, had his first full year in uh, 2016-17. His offense has gone up every year. He's going to surpass his goal total. He's already got career high in points, assists. He's got 10 power play points. And that's obviously... A need for the Jackets is to increase their power play production for the last two years. So, I mean, obviously that couldn't hurt. Um, I agree. You know, I thought, too, that he could be another guy that could maybe convince, help convince Duchesne. I thought, you know, being a former Ohio State Buckeye was a huge draw in for, you know, for the city itself, but for the team and maybe his wanting to stay in Columbus. He already sounds kind of optimistic about wanting to stay there long term. So, I mean, I was all for adding the Zingle because I thought that could only help Duchesne as far as being another familiar face in, you know, in Columbus. And yeah, I was all for it. And, and we talked about this before we started recording, but, but it's kind of, it's kind of like the Manny Machado with the the White Sox hit is just trying to get all of Duchesne's friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think that actually might, you know, Dezingle, like, like both of you said, all of you said, um, he is the the most likely one. He even said uh, like today, maybe it was, it was like, yeah, hell I'll sign. Just, just if they want me, I'll sign. Um, and, and even uh, Yarmo said on Saturday, I think that, that they were, you know, fully planning on, you know, making an offer to him as well. So that that seems like both sides are interested in making the deal. And so usually when that happens, the deal gets done. Right. For sure. And and I was going to move on to the next trade, but I do want a quick aside if anybody wants to take it. Alex Winberg's still on this team. Yeah. Ooh, can I I take this? (laughs) Sure. Uh, What Torts is doing to Winberg makes me so mad because (laughs) Winberg deserves to be in this lineup. Uh, he is much better for this team right now than Riley Nash or Brandon Dubinsky. And so it's looking like he could maybe be spending three straight games in the press box. It just seems like such a waste of talent. I understand that he has been struggling this season, but I am convinced that this is a blip. I'm convinced that he will rediscover his game. He actually has been playing a lot better lately that Duclair, Winberg, Yorkstrand line, uh, was starting to really contribute the last few weeks. And uh, and also, I think this team would be better if Boone Jenner moved back to wing. I know that Yarmo has said they see him as a center now, but I just long-term, who do you think see as being a better center for the next two years after this, Wenberg or Jenner? And I think clearly the answer is Wenberg based on their body of work so far. So hopefully he works his way back in the lineup. And then... This year, that would give us so much center depth because even if you keep that Jenner line together, then you have Wenberg as your fourth center, and God, that creates such a yeah. huge matchup problem in the postseason. How do you how do you stack up against those lines? Yeah, I mean, and you're already paying him. It's not like he's walking anytime soon. Um, 
yeah. it's it's it was a little I don't want to say funny, but after the the Friday night, or I guess it was Saturday night game, they they uh, no, it was Friday. They give the kepi to Matthew Shane, and I don't know if y'all saw, but Alex Wenberg in full dress was in the back of the frame, like in the in the door frame of the locker room, just watching. And I mean, yeah, he was smiling, but like you have your brand new shiny new toy center, you know. And and Winberg's back there. It was it was sad a little bit, you know, to see him him back there and just kind of. Now I will say you know? that now this is looking way ahead, but if Matt Duchesne does sign an extension here, then I could see the case for moving Winberg uh, because he would be probably you know overpaid as a third line center. And because he would have value that we could get back someone else in return or maybe recoup some draft picks, that would make some sense. But, you know, for the people that were suggesting that he could be traded today, uh, I thought that that was very, very risky because if Duchesne were to walk and Winberg were to be traded, then we would have even worse center depth than we had coming into this season. Center depth was always a problem, and now it's not. Right. If anything, right now we have a glut it's at the center position for probably the first time in blue jackets history, at least the <laughs> first time that I can think of off the top of my head. So we have, keep, we have like what, keeping seven, Winberg through. You have Duchesne, Dubois, Jenner, Nash, Dubinsky, Winberg, Sedlak. All those guys yeah. can play up the middle. Right. So giving, uh, keeping, keeping Winberg allows, well, not only do you have the option to put him in for a Riley Nash or Brandon Dubinsky, but then he's also an excellent insurance policy, as are those other players. Um, should, unfortunately, someone go down with an injury or something happen in the playoffs like we seem to have happened every year in the playoffs lately. Um, Freaking Tom Wilson. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't they ice um, a line of just pure centers the other night? Like, wasn't it Sedlak, Dubinsky, and, and Nash at, at one point? Um, I, think I mean, so. just, just straight centers. But I, I will say... Um, you know, and Hannah Kynan's coming, you know, he's coming back too. So, um, you know, not that that's huge, but Tortorella is going to have to make some lineup decisions that, that is not just Duclair or Winberg um, pretty soon. So, um, all right, moving on to the next trade, the the first trade of today, uh, kind of a head scratcher, Keith Kincaid for a fifth round pick in 2022. Uh, Will, let's go with you. Your thoughts? Well, so when I saw Kincaid, my immediate reaction was, okay, surely Bob's not going anywhere, but is Corpusala going? But I guess they really just want to stack up at the goalie position depth-wise. I don't know how they're going to play that. Obviously, Bob's going to be your guy while he's hot, at least. But, you know, Corpusalo has to start. I don't even know when the last time Corpusalo started. Um, and then now you got to figure Kincaid's going to be in that mix somehow. Um, you mentioned earlier that... Uh, before we were recording that he has good numbers against Pittsburgh. So maybe it's some kind of, you know, insider edge type of a play, but um, it's kind of interesting because Kincaid does have playoff experience, but he hasn't had quite the year, you know, he hasn't had a good year this year um, and he's winless in Columbus. So I guess it's kind of like a can't beat him, join him type of a play. But um, yeah, I was kind of surprised, but at the same time, you kind of add another veteran backup behind Bob Bobrovsky. 
Yeah, I think he said as much today, right? Didn't he say, I don't know if he said, if you can't beat him, join him. But he's got some colorful quotes and one that we all think about um, whenever we hear Keith Kincaid. PD, I think you said it earlier today. Yeah, they just kept coming. <laughs> <laughs> the 6-1 win against New Jersey. Uh, they just kept coming. I mean, I, I guess, you know, Tortorella said today he kind of doesn't know, and this was right after the trade, but kind of doesn't know what he's going to do with him because he said Bob's the guy, Corpy's still the backup. We're going to have to figure out how to have practice with three goalies, but, I mean, nobody's going anywhere. Right. I think I think Kincaid is kind of like your nuclear option here. Um, should, should Bob struggle or one of the two cor- uh, goaltenders get injured, you got him for virtually nothing. It's a... So what was it? A fifth round pick three yeah. years out from now. I mean, yeah. that's that's basically nothing. Um, this, like you said, he has playoff experience. And prior to this year, when the New Jersey defense utterly fell apart, he was like a nine seventeen goaltender with a two point seven goals against average. That's perfectly adequate to play backup goaltender in the NHL and give you a spot start here and there. I don't expect him to see much time for the Blue Jackets going forward, but he'd be a great mentor for a Corpus Allo. Just a great guy to have in the room, I guess. I don't I don't honestly see him getting a lot of starts down the stretch here. So here's the question. Uh, do you think that he plays this season more minutes or fewer minutes than Michael Layton had for us in 2013? Mm. <laughs> How much I didn't play? remember Michael... <laughs> I'm pretty sure the number was zero for him. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember Michael Steve Layton Mason on the and roster. he held the door for Bob. Oh, I, I want to add one more. I want to add one more thing to Kincaid. Um, when I talked about his playoff experience, it's kind of gaudy, and it's only a short sample. He was 0-2, and I think it was when they played Tampa Bay last year, so take that for what it's worth. But, uh, yeah, still, he's been to the playoffs, so I guess I can only help. Yeah, sure. he's he's a better better insurance option than JF Baruby, but yeah, um, I, I am concerned about you know will, will they go through the rest of the regular season without starting him because I would hate to see any starts taken away from Corpusalo because yeah. I think Corpusalo still needs the reps. I've been a little frustrated with how seldom he has started in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's good that. Bob has returned to Bob form, but again, it's Bob's not going to be here past the summer right. and but right. Corpusalo will, and he's sort of penciled in as the starter. Um, for, although I, for I think, a franchise. yeah. And I think Kincaid, you know, maybe kick the tires on signing him to a really cheap deal this summer. Uh, if he's willing, because he would be a nice veteran body to have in camp just to push Corpusalo to push Mers Lickens and, you know, and that if, if Corpy and Elvis, you know, are the clear one too, then, you know, Kincaid can be cut or traded or assigned to Cleveland and that's fine. But uh, we're going to have to bring in someone like that and Hey, might as well bring Kincaid if he's already here. I understand yeah. what you're saying with the whole frustration thing with Corpusalo. Like for a franchise that spent all of last summer preaching, we don't know what we have in Bob, so we're going to give Corpusalo all these starts. Um, I don't know how many he's started this year, but it feels like no more than last year. And you know, I know we. I don't want to. I don't want to compare ourselves to the Washington Capitals of last year too much, but. 
we saw what a benefit it was for them to be able to rest Brayton Holpe down the stretch and give Philip Grubauer all those starts. I just, uh, um, so I just don't, it's just really frustrating. Like Corpus Allo has started 17 games this year. Yep. And he started exactly 17 last 17. year. So he is, right, he will right. pass that. Yeah. But I thought based on the way he, how many games he started early in the season, I thought he would have had already more under his belt. Right. He might, he might get 23 this year. Maybe. I mean, they started Bob back to back the other night uh, when they really did not have to one of those days, but um you know, I wish they would have started. You mentioned the Capitals. I wish they would have started Philip Grubauer uh, at least one or two more games last right. playoffs. That would have been that would have been nice. But we could only have I, been so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big mess. I mean, it's not a big mess. It's a good problem to have, I guess. But um, the nice thing is, is that Keith Kincaid or or Corpus Allo or Bob, whoever is going to play back there, will have a new defenseman in front of him uh, with Adam McQuaid getting traded from the New York Rangers for Julius Bergman. Uh, fourth round pick in 2019 and that seventh round pick that the Jackets picked up from Ottawa. Um, Adam McQuaid, uh, I guess, Petey, you can go first on this one. Yeah, so he, he was another player that uh, I had identified as being a you know, potential target. Um, you did a much better job on your list than, than me. You got, you got two of them. I got one. Well, did, was Kincaid on your list? I don't. I would not have put Keith and Gate on my list. I don't. Well, you had. I know you had a number of goalies. I had on Howard, there, but... Rask, and Quick. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So I. I got two of my lists, which I was. Yeah, I was pretty excited about. Um. I, I understand the concerns about McQuaid. Like his numbers aren't great, but I think that he's a better option than than Dean Kukin. Uh, based mm. on what we've seen from him so far this year, which is disappointing. I was expecting more from him. I thought he would be better than Scott Harrington, but Scott Harrington has actually been uh, We all kind of like Scott Harrington. I like Harrington now, yeah. yeah. I liked him before, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably impressed with Scott Harrington at this point in the season, much to my own surprise. <laughs> so, But McQuaid provides uh, veteran depth that we desperately need because Ryan Murray is hurt. Stop me if you've heard that before. Uh, and Wait a week. I, I just don't know. I mean, I hope he comes back. We all hope yeah, that he comes sure. back. But, you know, I think you have to, you know, prepare for the that hit for him not being available in the playoffs. And I don't think you would want Harrington uh, Kukan as the third pair in the postseason. Now, the third pairs generally don't get as much time in the playoffs anyway, but that would be a pair that would get maybe what five minutes a game um, with McKay McQuaid. Maybe they can get more like 10 minutes a game, um, yeah. you know, and he's a, uh, he's not, he's not there to get points. He's very much a stay at home defenseman, but again, that might work with Harrington because Harrington has shown some Rover tendencies. I love to you know, not as much as Renzi, but yeah, he, he's come up on the play and that's why he has, actually contributed a number of assists this year. But I think, you know, McQuaid can then just be a stay-at-home defenseman, cover for him a little bit. Um, he's He's got experience. You know, he won a Stanley Cup with Boston. So uh, it, it never hurts to have a guy in the locker room who has uh, been through that sort of thing. You know, Ian Cole last year, he had that playoff experience yeah. with, with Pittsburgh winning the Stanley Cup. So uh, I think McQuaid can serve 
can serve that kind of role. Uh, I'm not expecting him to be a game changer, but it just it makes the blue line depth better. Seeds was Bergman and two picks too much for McQuaid. Um, this is Bergman's like fourth team maybe this season or something like that. Yeah. I forget what I saw, he's but he's been traded a ton in this country. Yeah. yeah, he's not even over on the side of the pond. So I don't really think it's too much. Um, I mean, McQuaid is what he is. He's a third pairing guy, you know, in the latter stages of his career. Um, after being drafted by the Blue Jackets originally under the Doug McLean administration here. But yeah, um, no, I think it's a fine price. He is what he is. As long as he gets third pairing minutes and isn't asked to suddenly play 20 minutes a night because Zach Harrington or because Zach Wierenski turned the puck over on, on the blue line in the first period. We'll be hmm. fine. It's <laughs> fine. Will, do you have a McQuaid take? Yeah, you know, um, to me, he's a uh, either an under-the-radar kind of acquisition, deadline acquisition, or, you know, he won't even really stand out. But I kind of look at him as, obviously, I think it was already mentioned, a veteran playoff leadership. He's won a Stanley Cup with the Bruins. He kind of brings that physical edge, which could be a good thing if he has enough minutes on the ice to, you know, be able to really utilize that. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those depth-type depth deals that teams will make uh, – at the deadline, and obviously that's what he's doing here. Um, I don't know if they make that deal if Murray's healthy, but I don't think it's really a bad deal at all. To you know, he may not end up playing much or even being much of a contributor, but yeah, it, it's another locker room presence at the very least, as far as you know, another playoff battle tested guy. Um, he's cheap. He's a UFA at the end of the year, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a fine deal, I think, for Columbus. Can I can I say one more thing about it? You know what it sure. reminds me of. It reminds me of when we traded for Kyle Quincy a few years ago. Ah, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, years ago. you know, a, a, another body on the blue line because that depth is invaluable at this time of year. And he's he's been through the ringer. He'll be there. You might not notice him some nights. He might play eight minutes some nights, but whatever. And I, and I think Kyle Quincy was a, was a very useful pickup. I don't recall him playing too much in the regular season that year, but we were he played decimated, in the playoffs decimated by injuries in the playoffs, and he played some really good minutes in the latter half of that series against Pittsburgh. So uh, I think McQuaid can certainly serve that kind of role uh, in the postseason for us. Definitely. Final trade yeah. of the day. Final trade of the day. Future considerations going to Winnipeg for Alex Broadhurst. Does anybody have – we're coming up on half an hour. Does anybody have – Anything to say about about this final trade of the deadline? Uh, not not really, honestly. Um, he was just kind of one of those guys that kind of got passed around. I felt like between I think Chicago, Columbus, and yeah, he's on his way again. We can cl- finally close the book on that first Brandon Saad trade. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, to Winnipeg, which R.I.P. Mark Marco Dano. Uh, speaking of Winnipeg and that and that trade, it all but, comes full circle. Yeah, yeah. Time is a flat circle. Um, so that'll do it for the recapping of the trades. Um, I guess we'll go one by one. We went trade by trade, but but as a whole, you know, these five trades over the last couple of days. Um, what do we think? And seeds, I'll start with you this time. What do we think, uh, all told? We're all in. Finally, for the first time in twenty years, this franchise is trying to win. 
and I could not be happier. It's been the um, there was a great take on the Athletic this morning. Um, Down goes Brown wrote about how the Blue Jackets were for years. They have you know made some trades at the deadline, then kicked the can down the road. And then this year, they finally decided because the Metro is so wide open, Pittsburgh mm. and Washington seem to have slipped back, and the Islanders seem to be regressing of late. That Yarmo seemed to look around at the surroundings in the Eastern Conference and decide Tampa is the only true threat. Why not just go for it and see if we can catch lightning in a bottle this season? Um, there's never, in my opinion, there's never going to be a truly perfect year for the team to go for it. Even Tampa this year only has, what, a 20% chance at best of winning the Stanley Cup given all the bounces in hockey. Um, this year is as good as any for the Columbus Blue Jackets to go for it. And when you've got a point-per-game guy like Panarin, you've got a two-time Vesna winner like Sergei Bobrovsky, they brought in two more goal scorers to have to give us a total of t- six 20-goal scorers on the roster. This is the most dangerous team the Columbus Blue Jackets have ever iced at this point in the season. And I, for one, am just looking forward to the spring where we finally get to have a chance to really make some noise in the postseason. There it is. Yeah, all in. There's no... Let's know, go, guys. Panarin didn't go anywhere. There wasn't picks coming back or, or a roster player. It's all the chips firmly in the middle of the table. Every guy they traded for today um, could be gone. Uh, PD, what do you make of that? What do you make yeah, of, of, so, what do you think so overall? I think, you know, you just have to look. Compare the team today, you know, at this moment that we're recording this, to... Friday morning when we woke up and this Blue Jackets roster is significantly better. Like there's just no denying that. Yeah. It's deeper. It's better at the top end. Uh, we've got elite playmakers throughout the lineup. Uh, and and that, it feels great. Um, you know, there is, you know, huge risk to be taken with having so many of the sure. those star players being unrestricted free agents. It is a risk. But, uh, you know, I'd agree that it is a risk worth taking. You know, I was, all of us, I think, were really starting to dread this looming trade deadline, the uncertainty of knowing what is this team going to look like. And I think there was a fear that, you know, Yarma was going to take the path of standing pat, of saying, you know, it, you know, I like this team the way it is. Let's just ride with it and see what happens. And I think what we feared was that it was going to be another team that was, you know, as Will said, they're good, but they're not elite. And so they're probably going to be they're going to be winning some games against good teams. They're going to be losing some games against some bad teams. You know, they win five games in a row, lose four games in a row. It's, it's just been that kind of season. And then mm-hmm. what does it get you? It gets the end of the first round. And then, OK, maybe we win a series or maybe it's another six game loss. Um, so, but I like that he said, you know, you know, the future is the future. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Let's. How do we make this team better? And yeah. uh, and he went out there and did it. And I like that he he didn't have to break the team apart to do it. You know, only Anthony Duclair was was moved, and he was not a foundational piece. You know, and so Yarmo said today that you know he wanted to send a message to the locker room that that he believes in them. You mm-hmm. know that he thinks this, he thinks this is a good core and. You know, he brought in some pieces to make them even better. And like, I believe in you guys. I think you can make a run. 
and you know this uh, this helps us be able to make that run. And so, and just from a fan perspective, this team's going to be really fun to watch for the next <laughs> month and hopefully you know four months from now. Uh, you know, just watching them on uh, on Saturday against San Jose. God, that Panarin and Duchesne line playing together, ah, it's something special. And, you know, yeah, give us another 20 more games of that, and then let's see what they do in the postseason. Yeah, those give and goes on Saturday, um, pretty fun to watch. And, and quick word for me about Duclair. I, I, look, I don't know who's right and who's wrong when it comes to Torts and Duclair and 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 why he's on his fifth team and, and, and any of that. He's a great player, obviously. He's got a, a lot of skill. Um I am just happy that that is over. That is not something we have to worry about for the next 27 games. Uh, you know, it's nice to have that that done. Um, I wish Duclair the best. I liked him. I mean, like, like you know, I, I don't want to say or come across like I'm saying anything bad about Duclair. Um, but, man, is it going to be nice to not have to worry about that, especially after last week in Montreal when it's kind of like a weird scene. But anyway. Did you Best see the uh, Did you see the report from Allison Lucan um, on the Athletic today about Duclair? I missed that. Um, I guess Allison said during their tra- their trade discussions that um, it was apparently really emotional for the players in the locker room when they say goodbye to Duclair. I guess he was really well liked, but apparently, Torts to honor him ran practice today using one of Duclair's sticks. Oh wow. Yeah, I heard that, and I saw in, in Torts had some comments today that were very favorable. That he said he was actually sad that Declare moved on because he was enjoying working with him on improving his game. You know, and it was sad that he would not get any more chance to improve his game. But Torts also admitted that he he watched the Ottawa game yesterday, and so he's going to you know continue following Declare's career and stay in touch with them. And and I thought that was really neat to hear that, despite you know all the public criticism that Torps gave that, you know, Torps does genuinely care about improving him as a player. Yeah, that's nice. I know that, uh, you know, they said that Torps was looking for him on Saturday night when it was, you know, to say goodbye after the trade was announced. But um, anyway, I I mean, my point about, I don't want to sound, anyway, moving on. Will, your thoughts about the Columbus Blue Jackets trade deadline? First off, I have to go back to uh, when Seeds was talking about lightning in a bottle. I thought that was a, whether it was intended or not. Kind of a great pun right there because Columbus is definitely all in as far as going as far as this team will take them. I couldn't be more excited, obviously. I mean, this is the best team like that's been said. It's, you know, since they've gotten their franchise going, it's the best team they've had. They're going to have their best shot, you know, in the playoffs with this team. Um, you know, if they didn't make the trade for Duchesne and Dezingle and they didn't, if they ended up just staying pat, I would have thought, okay, this team is probably one and done if they make the playoffs, uh, you know, pending the matchup, maybe against Washington, for instance, or maybe Montreal or somebody like that. But I do think if this team stays healthy and plays up to their potential, that they could make a run for sure, or at least make some noise, um, you know, and really give it their best shot almost against anybody. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as what this team can do going forward, it could be more exciting. Um, they are the only team in the NHL to have at least 20 or six 20-goal scorers. Um, so, obviously, the offense, which has been good all year, only gets better. Bobrovsky has been great. I know I've been kind of critical of him, but, you know, it's hard to deny what he's done lately. And, um, and also, um, just... 
kind of uh, touching up on Duclair for a second. Um, I liked him a lot too, and I, again, I don't know why exactly it hasn't worked out for him with other teams, but I thought that no matter what, I thought he was trying to definitely improve or you know trying to do what was asked of him. And even though Tortorella comes off as kind of crusty in the media, I think some of that, I mean, I think it's a lot, you know, it's definitely just him, that's just what he does, but, and there's truth to it, but I think also it's somewhat of a motivational factor, and I'm not surprised. I mean, it is kind of nice to know that, you know, deep down he does genuinely care, and um, I think that's probably the true towards that a lot of people don't think about or possibly would even consider just because of what we all know from the media perspective, but yeah, I think it's cool that he's kind of keeping up with Duclair, and I hope that Duclair whether it's in Ottawa or just wherever going forward, he, you know, has success and can kind of just stick around with a team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, it, the Duclair stuff. I mean, I, I based on what we know, I, I don't know if Ottawa is the best environment right now. Um, yeah, but that's not, you know, that's the biz, I guess. Uh, as I say, one thing that you said, you know, we've, we've heard this stat a lot. Um, and I don't want to make fun of others' misfortunes, but that is kind of what I like to do sometimes. We talked about the 620 goal scorers. Somebody pointed out, I think it was somebody on Reddit, Arizona's top score is Clayton Keller with 39 points. Um, 12 Oof. goals. Yeah, yeah, 39 points, uh, top scorer. So, you know, it, it's, it's and this is something I wanted to talk to, open up to the group, but, but talk to at least PD about, because we've talked about this a lot in Slack about how this year didn't seem fun for a while and it wasn't um it's fun now right like it's legitimately yeah. fun yeah yeah and it uh, sounds like to- it seems you could talk about it with the, what the atmosphere was like at that game it sounds like it was a very fun game well at, i was at the tampa game last monday night so um compared to that it was a complete 180 the tampa game felt like an execution from the word go and huh. I ended up leaving with maybe 90 seconds gone in the third period because it was just, it was brutal. Sure. There, the Columbus didn't look into it. They didn't look ready. They didn't look like they were on the same compete level. Give it a week, and the outlook today, as opposed to where I was exactly one week ago at this time, it feels like we are icing a completely different team because in a way we are. Yeah. But I... I cannot feel more ready for what the rest of the season brings. Yeah, I, I was, I, totally I was, agree. I was kind of dreading the, the, you know, the limp into the playoffs, but, uh, and just in just the stress of like, oh, are the restricted free agents, the unrestricted free agents, are they going to sign? Are they not going to sign? Who are we going to trade? Who are we not going to trade? I mean, that was just weighing on me, and I was really mm-hmm. dreading it. I've got. Um, family from Pittsburgh coming in for that game uh, in a couple weeks. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, am I going to bring them to the game? And Pittsburgh's going to win, and that's, I'm going <laughs> to be miserable. But now I felt really excited for that. And just to watch, again, these fun players for as long as we have them, it just it's fun to watch a team that's winning, a team that's scoring goals. I mean, just remember the, the 16-game win streak or mm-hmm. the 10-game win streak. Like I feel like we can recapture that kind of excitement, and and then obviously if we can actually win a playoff series or two, ah, that would be that would just be such a thrill, and I'm really really excited to see see what happens. Yeah, Will, you were gonna say something. Oh, um, yeah, I was gonna say actually that uh, with Columbus, as far as uh, 
uh, you know, going up against like a Pittsburgh, for instance. I mean, this tomorrow is such a crucial game for Columbus. Not so much, oh, definitely on the ice. I mean, they have to. I think they need to really show up and you know keep this good vibe, momentum type of feeling going. But I think it's just a psychological aspect against Pittsburgh because you know as great as Pittsburgh has been. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, um, you know, you can arguably say Columbus is definitely at least on their level on paper. And of course, now they got to prove it on the ice. But, um, you know, they need to take that psychological psychological edge away. And I just hope, you know, I am excited to see how Columbus does. You know, they have a pretty, you could say, brutal type of schedule remaining or at least against crucial playoff type teams, especially in the Metro. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. This is definitely all in, you know. Just got to keep it going full steam ahead. And I'm, yeah, you were I'm really before. happy. I'm really right. happy that Pittsburgh is the first opponent now. Yeah. After all these acquisitions, and especially a Pittsburgh team that, um, I mean, I, I I hate to see injuries happen, but this is a a shorthanded Penguins roster, and so yeah, for you to, that will you make a great point about the? I think there's this, been this mental block with this roster playing Pittsburgh. Um, and they played them close, but they just keep losing. And man, if they could come and get that win tomorrow, oh boy, I think that could really. <laughs> I, 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 could get, I think you get them over years, that hump, and that'll be great. Nearly two years since they've beaten them. So in the playoffs, game five, no, game four. So yeah, yeah it's it's they're due to turn that around. I do want to, and, sh- and they should tomorrow because honestly, that roster doesn't scare me tomorrow night. Especially, it's not like Pittsburgh did anything of consequence at the deadline. I do want to get, to, yeah, I want to get to the division in, in a second, but I want to point out what Will, what you were talking about uh, earlier. Next couple games: Pittsburgh, Philly, and then you have two Canadian teams coming in. But then you got Jersey, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Islanders. I mean, you're talking a lot of Pittsburgh, a lot of Metro. You got Carolina in there, Boston a couple times. Not that they're in the the division, but I mean, it's this this March is going to be a meat grinder uh, of 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 a schedule. And and one thing I also want to point out, I think part of the fun right now, you know, is is how happy Matt Duchesne is. I mean, I know he got out of one of the worst situations you could possibly get into in hockey, playing in Ottawa, and and you know he hasn't been there for a long time or anything. Um, but his almost like unbridled joy at being in Columbus and the way yeah. the fans treated him. I mean, it's fun, man. It's the Jeff Carter. It's the opposite Jeff Carter, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, hey, you know, him, social media, going to picking up to Zingle and the dog and the baby, like, uh, we don't really get a lot of that in Columbus. So that's, it's it's fun to see. A lot of that is not torts related anyway. But you guys mentioned Pittsburgh and the huge trade they made today really fixes their their defense really solves all their problems um go around the division but we'll start with with that one which was uh tanner pearson for eric at branson anytime you can trade for a worse defenseman than jack johnson you have to do it (laughs) oh man i i'm not gonna even pretend to feel bad but the way they blew that game and feel and i know it's because they had those two injuries and injuries are terrible and but man that was uh fun to watch that stadium series that game but anyway eric at branson for tanner peace and we'll start with the penguins we'll, we'll kind of move through here um they also got chris weidman from from florida and um that was those really the only two deals they made today um that was it that was that was their deadline so uh penguin penguins 
I'm pretty sure they got worse. If anybody yeah, has the, a take the, on that. The one, like the good move that they made, they made last month by trading Broussard and getting uh, yeah. Bukestad back from Florida. So that was an upgrade for them. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really surprised that they didn't do more. Um, now, I think it could be that they weren't planning on doing anything and they just didn't have the time to to make a deal you know, with this uncertainty with Latang and Dumoulin. Um, but also, unfortunately for them, and unfortunately for us as well, the market for defensemen was really bad this yeah. year at the trade deadline. There just was not a lot of defensive no. talent available. The best one, I think, was Nick Jensen that Washington got. But, you know, I think a lot of people were like, who the hell's Nick Jensen? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the Capitals, Nick Jensen, Carl Haglin. Um, I mean, depth, you know, good, strong, fine moves. Um, nobody really, I mean, the Devils and Rangers fire sale, which, you know, the Rangers shipped out Kevin Hayes and Zuccarello and, and you know, Adam McQuaid, uh, the Devils fire sale and then the islanders didn't do anything so that's really that's the shocker the division yeah the islanders literally did nothing will do you have a take on the metropolitan division and really the jackets the only ones making splashes really yeah um i think a lot of us would have thought columbus would headline the trade deadline but not exactly the way it ended up being obviously with yeah. keeping panera and bobrovsky and making the deals they made um yeah, I actually kind of figured Pittsburgh would counter in one way or another. Not necessarily counter Columbus, but just make that kind of, you know, big-time splash. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, it's 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 kind of hit or miss. I mean, unless you're getting that big-time, like Columbus getting Duchesne or, you know, getting Dezingle or something like that, or, you know, Mark Stone going to Vegas um, from Ottawa, um, I wasn't sure what kind of move Pittsburgh might make or other teams for that matter might make. Um, you know, with the Islanders, on the one hand, it's like, wow, they're in first place. Are they going to sustain it? And they very well maybe could, but um, I was kind of surprised they didn't make a single, I don't think they made a single move, right? And and I was actually listening to a ESPN show out in New York and fans were, or at least one fan that called and was, was upset about the Islanders not making that move. But to counter that fan, they were saying, well, Lou Lamorello is for GM, and he's pretty accomplished, so they must feel really good about their team. Or it also they made the point that you know Columbus is going all in, whereas the Islanders didn't feel like they were in that situation. They wanted to kind of keep their future assets. So, you know, I think the Islanders. I don't know how many of us would have thought they'd be in first place this deep into the year. Um, I'm not sure they even would have thought that. So this is kind of gravy for them in a way. I feel, but um, yeah, as far as Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know if we were going to mention it, but with Jack Johnson's return tomorrow, um, and then they kind of brought in some other d- demon, uh, I guess it's kind of interesting to see how they'll maybe utilize them against Columbus's uh, really pro- prolific offense now. So, uh, yeah, and then, and then, of course, like you said, the Rangers kind of continuing their fire sale. Not really a surprise. Um, and kind of good luck on their part as far as trading Zuccarello right before he breaks his arm for Dallas. So uh, yeah, that's uh, right. yeah, the Rangers. Yeah, pull one out. Yeah, um, but yeah, I was kind of, I think I was kind of surprised about Pittsburgh maybe not making a bigger deal. But again, I'm not sure what they were really even trying to look at. And also, they probably feel pretty good with their current setup, so they're kind of rolling the dice, I guess. Yeah, and and Rangers are probably loading up for Panarin. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that the the Devils and the Rangers did the right moves in terms of selling off the pieces that they had, 
getting good assets for the future. Yeah, the Rangers certainly would be in play for Panarin. Um, and I, the Flyers, uh, they probably should have done more selling off than they did. Um, it yeah, sounds Wayne like they maybe, maybe, or maybe holding out hope that they could get back into the playoff hunt until just recently. Um, so that that's too bad for them. Carolina, I thought would have done more. Um, I think their biggest move today was not trading Michael Furland. Furland, yeah. Um, yeah. And, but I think, you know, they're, they're doing so well now. They're in a playoff position. So I agree that they should not have sold him off. They're, they get better value from keeping him. Uh, they did make that move last month getting uh, Niederreiter, mm-hmm. and he's been nearly a point Which, boy, that worked for out them. for them. So yeah. uh, Carolina, I, I really thought they would have made at least one more move to just give them one extra boost, um, but maybe they won't need it if uh, if Pittsburgh keeps falling off like they have. Um, but I would think clear, of all the Metro teams, uh, you know, Pittsburgh and the Islanders, or at least of the five that are in contention, uh, the Islanders and the Penguins did not get better. The Capitals and the Hurricanes got a little bit better. Hmm. And the Jackets took a huge leap forward. Yeah. Relative to the... I actually want to... Oh, sorry. Uh, I just want to add one more quick thing. Um, Talking about, just kind of talking about... uh, the teams in the division and honestly i feel like this is columbus's very best shot to finally win the division and it's not exactly a division or bust but i think it's definitely a first or second place type of a deal where you want to at least get home ice so right. i think with the islanders staying pat uh the caps have been kind of just you know keeping pace with columbus and the islanders a little bit and trying to keep pittsburgh and carolina off uh i mean i think columbus has that they play like I, like I said, their potential, I think that they could easily, or at least maybe win the division for the first time ever. That'd be something. Seeds, Metro Division. I mean, this is it. This is the march of the playoffs. This is, and I'm, I'm going to throw a hot take at you guys. I think we are, right now, I realize we have the last three Stanley Cup winners in the division. I think right now we have the best roster in the division. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think, I th- uh, Washington won the Stanley Cup last year. They obviously have Alex Ovechkin. T- Pittsburgh has Crosby and Malkin down the middle. I think top to bottom, Columbus has the best roster. No one in the division can match our depth. And if Sergei Bobrovsky can finally, finally, finally play to his potential in the playoffs, as long as we avoid the the second wildcard spot, this team can make at least the... the, the if we avoid the second wildcard position... The Eastern Conference Finals are well within reach. Is 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 the ECF? I don't want to say the goal, like because obviously the goal is to win the cup. But and we're kind of running out of time. But I do want to get this because Tampa's, you know, Tampa's it. It's Tampa and everybody else. This this you got to win a playoff series. This roster has to win a playoff series. But is the ECF? I mean, is that do we? If, if the Jackets make it to the ECF, are we like you know what? Okay, yeah. I think I think if we make the ECF. Yarmo's moves are validated. I okay. think it ha- I think it has to be the ECF to validate going all in with these free agents. And when, once you get to the ECF and if you run into the Tampa buzzsaw, so be it. Yeah. Tampa still has to go through the Atlantic division with Boston and Toronto. And as of right now, it'd be Montreal, but or right. Carolina. But um, 
regardless, they're going to they're coming out of a division where they're going to have to they're going to come through a couple heavyweights to get there. I think the Blue Jackets an, an Eastern Conference final would validate this. It would probably give at least Dzingel and Duchesne belief enough in the in the roster and the city to stay here. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be huge for the fan base as a whole to finally see this team go on a run of some sort in the playoffs. And who's to say what happens in the Eastern Conference Finals? If at that point Sergei Bobrovsky is playing like Vesna Bob, you never know what could happen. I'm not going to predict that we beat the Tampa Bay Lightning here, but it's anything can happen in, in playoff happen. hockey. Well, and even in our last two games against Tampa, we were dominating the possession battle for large stretches. We just couldn't get goals against Vasilevsky and even get close to him through their defense. And, you know, just we made a few mistakes and they capitalized on every single mistake. Yeah. But we've got a lot more talent on the roster. I think we have, we have more ability to score goals. And, uh, and again, hopefully, yeah, with Bob playing better, more ability to prevent goals. So I, I would still favor Tampa in that series, but, um, you know, yeah. Hey, if, if we're playing them, we've got a shot. All right. I think we're coming up on time. I want to go around the room, get everybody's final thoughts. We will start with Will. Final thoughts. Uh, actually, I did have a final thought. I, I meant to mention this earlier, talking about the initial uh, trade reaction acquisitions that the Blue Jackets made. And this is kind of, uh, I'm putting this out there, and I, I don't know if I really believe it or as much as I just hope that maybe it could happen. But I thought, you know, what better way to convince Panarin to maybe want to stay if he sees what it's like playing with potentially Dezingle and Duchesne and Atkinson and Dubois and, you know, this kind of year or, you know, this time of the year with the playoffs, um, you know, who knows? Maybe Panarin's like, I want to stay. Um, it's probably unlikely. It's probably just a fantasy. But if you're, if you're going to go all in, you may as well go all in the way they are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are like, don't want to say that, but I think it's kind of always in the back of everybody's mind. Uh, Seeds, final thought. Um, as we've discussed on this podcast, I believe this is the best roster the Blue Jackets have ever put on the ice in their 20 years or of existence. And I would, I believe the Blue Jackets are going to make the playoffs. I believe they're going to win their first round playoff series. I firmly, firmly believe that as of right now. But I would also like to encourage Blue Jackets fans in town, if possible, um, Get out and support the team as much as you can these next few months. Saturday night, when it was a sellout in that arena, was some of the most fun I've had in there. It was certainly the um, one of the loudest and most engaged environments I've ever heard, not in a playoff situation. So I would like to encourage everyone to get out and support the team as much as they can and just show the appreciation for the best team that we've been able to put on the ice in franchise history. There it is. Uh, PD, your final thought. Uh, just credit again to Yarmo Kekalainen for the job that he did uh, over the last week. Um, I think a lot of people had doubts or uncertainty, um, but he had a plan and he stuck to it and he made the team better. And I don't know what's going to happen in the summer, but I feel confident that, you know, he will, again, he'll make something happen, you know. He's done it enough times, and we've also seen that man, he is not afraid of making a blockbuster trade. I mean, 
a month into his tenure, he traded for Marion Gaverick. And then, you know, 2015, he traded for Brandon Saad. 2016, he traded for Seth Jones. 2017, traded for Artemi Panarin. And now 2019, trading for, you know, uh, Matthew Jane and Ryan Dezingle. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he, he will make a splash uh, to make the team better. And, uh, yeah, the Russians are gone, but I'm going to enjoy them while they're here. And, uh, you know, I'm just not going to sweat the future seasons until, you know, until this season's over. And for this season, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Yeah, that was that was my final thought in so many words is is the past couple weeks and really months, but I've been watching Panarin and he's so much fun to watch. And always in the back of my mind, you know, like, okay, this is, this is going to be over soon. And, you know, even Friday and Saturday, I was like, is this it for Panarin? And, and I'm just glad whatever happens, which I think is kind of the general consensus of the fan base, which is whatever happens after the playoffs, whatever happens after the Jackets win the cup, whatever happens is fine. It's just for right now, this is fun. And I get to watch Panarin for a couple more months. And for, for me right now, for a year that's been up and down and, and kind of a slog at times and for really the last, you know, decade of my fandom, which is, you know, people were protesting outside nationwide a couple of years ago. Remember that? I mean, like, this is this is what we've signed up for. This is this is it, this is the deadline, and it's it's fun to watch. So um I think that will do it for us. Um we are going to try and make this a regular regular thing, so if you have uh, feedback, comments, go ahead and drop them in the comments or tweet at CBJ Cannon or any of us. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Let us know what we could do differently. Um, our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons off of their 2016 album Homemade Vision. They're a local band. They play all around Ohio, and they're currently crowdfunding their newest album on Kickstarter, so go check them out at Angela Purley, P-E-R-L-E-Y.com. We will see you next week. And thanks for listening to the Canon Cast. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. 
New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.